out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Indeed, we are. Hello and welcome. This is The C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the band Pure Hell, because I spoke to the um, vocalist and bass player Kenny Gordon recently to find out more about life in the band. And for those who might think, I'd never heard of Pure Hell. Well, if you Google them, you'll find out more. Uh, They're a punk band formed in or established in Philadelphia in 1974 and were part of the New York punk uh, scene, New York City, um, throughout the late 70s and beyond. And um, yes, this is the interview. And just to say, some of the quality of the recording isn't always that brilliant, but um, Kenny has quite a, an amazing story. You should listen to it. And also take notes. I will test you at the end to make sure you are paying attention. Anyway, Kenny, it's over to you. We're like, uh, you know, we're the generation, uh, generation that, uh, that uh, grew up, you know, with television, like, you know, for the first time. I mean, uh, even though it was like, you know, out in the 50s, uh, and stuff like that, you know, with the, and I think that's like around the earliest time people were getting television in their homes. Uh, but during the sixties, uh, you know, when I grew up during nine years, you know, I was born like 56. So me, Johnny Lydon and, uh, well, Sid was a year younger, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, that's the television, you know, so we all grew up on like, you know, with sci-fi and horror, uh, you know, uh, television stuff you know, movies or series or whatever, you know, and, you know, man in outer space, you know, the first time, you know, walking on the moon, yeah. you know, we're witnessing all that, yeah, and like all those political assassinations, you know, with, you know, the Kennedys and Martin Luther King and the civil rights stuff going on, you know, so, but if you had a television, you know, or like transistor radio, and which we did, you know, me and my siblings or so, you know, you know, you were pretty much in touch with anything that was going on in the world. So in other words, it's like, not only would uh, I be uh, exposed to uh, 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 early forms of rock and roll, you know, like from Little Richard to Elvis to James Brown and, uh, and, and whatever was going on there, but, you know, it's just like, you know, with television and everything, you know, you see the Beatles when they came here, you know, the British invasion and all that kind of stuff, you know, we grew up on and, and then you got, and you had those people that were merging anyway. You know, you had like the Tammy Show with the Rolling Stones and James Brown and whomever else was on that. But that's all the kind of stuff, like you know, like you know, that conditioned me. You know, like we're growing up and uh, to have sort of a uh, a broad um, feel and sense for 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 music. You know, and I don't know, I guess. I was born, you know, I guess a bit with a talent being able to draw and stuff like that. I guess that's why uh, I was attracted to playing like music. But um, and being down here, like, you know, every time I get sent down to the uh, to the farm down here, to my grandfather's estate. So, you know, it's pretty serene around here and uh, it's like 400 acres. So pretty much, you know, got a broad canvas sort of like, you know, to for ideas and everything and not so much. Um, compressed like you know in a city where you got people shoulder to shoulder and you know you can't spread your ideas and look so far but I guess that's why we kind of looked abroad but are you there? Yeah yeah no I'm just I'm I'm just listening because the, the reception slightly breaks up if I talk at the same time so wait, when when did you start thinking about being you know in a band when did that sort of idea start to sort of come up because obviously you know, it's one thing fantasizing and you know posing in front of a mirror, but there's another thing of actually putting the band together. Well, you know, just like ever since like elementary school, you know, I don't know, I was uh, like I said, I don't know, I was sort of in art art classes. I mean, they notice your talent, they see what you know what sort of person you are, academic or commercial or mechanical or artistic or. So I was in glee club and stuff like that, you know, it's even like, you know, beginning in elementary school. So with that being said, uh, everything that you're hearing, you're hearing on the radios and stuff like that, you know, you hear music and it's like, you know, you have dreams and you have ideas and uh, thoughts and what have you. 
And um, but when my uh, my relatives one time uh, they took me up to Elmira, New York, to visit some other relatives, and uh, I had a cousin up there, and uh, he had a guitar and he had moccasins on, and he had uh, he had apples bold as well, and he had electric lady on, and I was only talking like uh, I don't know maybe. 10 or 11 years old or something like that. And, you know, when he turned me on to Jimmy Hendrix like that, even though I had been hearing the kinks and this and that and everything, everything like on the radio, but Hendrix's whole thing was, you know, it was like a, a different form of music or whatever with the psychedelic music. It was just, he was just so good at it. And uh, I don't know, you know, just began to uh, listen to stuff like that, like, like with him, and um and 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 cream and everybody else that was in with the with rock sort of a thing you know and then starting to to experiment with recreational mind altering you know drugs or so or whatever you know and uh, you know sort of like early on and um and that's just about just what happened with any and everybody everybody sort of like went through the same sorts of things you know I'm quite sure Johnny Lydon and um you know, to Steve, to everybody sort of, like I said, grew up on television and sort of saw the same sort of stuff. Yeah. So, so it was. So you were bought, you were, this was, you were based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This was 74. So, I mean, there'd been bands like the MC5 and the Sonics and then the Stooges. So, you know, that, that kind of sound was quite heavier or or sort of a bit more distorted than than some of the kind of more I don't know a lot of the music that started to happen in the sort of 70s was that were you just um sort of not copying yeah I started like I said messing with uh, start doing drugs and playing listening to music and uh you know you know in in pre-teen and early teens or so then it was uh we were listening to like the MC5 and the Stooges and Alice Cooper, even when he was in the Spiders, you know, uh, you know, uh, his first albums, Pretty pretty Things. And, you know, we were just, it was just, just a, a time that was like different. And this is like right around and before Bowie had come out and, you know, and went right there with Bowie with disco and, you know, uh, you know, but being living in Philadelphia, you see, we were right next to New York City. And also, so we were getting a lot of imports coming from England, even coming from Europe, you know, before they would probably hit Detroit and stuff like that. So by us, like, living in Philadelphia and uh, listening to, like I said, like the Stooges and the MC5 and and, uh, and then the Dolls come about and come out, you know, just around um, with David Bowie and everything. And then, you know, they're like, you know, they're, just like right in the next town, and um, and then, yeah, and how we got like that was, you know, we went to New York City. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, do you know? Have you ever heard of Neon Leon? No, Neon Leon. No, I haven't. Okay, well, he's someone that was, uh, you know, also like in our sort of like, like in our clique or our troop, you know, of musicians out of Philadelphia that would. Uh, uh, you know, like a clique of musicians that were in Philadelphia too, that were sort of into the same sort of thing. You had a lot of people that were into, you know, soul and funk or whatever else that they were into or some other forms of rock. But we were sort of focused on the, on the, uh, the alternative, you know, the, the rare sort of stuff like the, like the Stooges and like, uh, uh, and so, uh, and like 74, you know, uh, uh, let me see, you know, me and Spider, 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 you know, we all grew up sort of like in the same neighborhood uh, and really didn't know each other like very early on, you know, some of us. And actually Chip and Spider used to play together, uh, you know, before they got together, like with me, you know, I mean, uh, we were doing something else. But once Michael moved into my house and, uh, you know, this is right before my mother moved down here of my parents here on the estate down here yeah. so we had the house yeah i had the house to, so you know we would rehearse there live in there and do everything else in there you know and um 
you know, uh, so yeah, once Michael moved into my house in 74, you know, it's like we started to, uh, put together, uh, you know, rehearsals or whatever, you know, I, I would play bass. It was actually a three piece band, me, Chip and Spider. And, uh, this is when, you know, we called ourselves pretty poison, you know, and, uh, just did a talent show at my school. And, um, uh, and then decided, uh, at Christmas break that, you know, we just would go to New York city, you know, where everybody is, uh, you know, like all of the bands that were, uh, where the dolls were, where, what have you. And Leon had went there and I asked you if you knew Leon, I mean, because he was, uh, you know, he, him and, uh, he was really kind of in there when Sid and Nancy and uh, with all that, I think Sid came knocking on his door. You know, it's like, you know, because we knew we knew Nancy Spongen from Philadelphia, you know, before even going to New York. Yes. Because uh, he's from Philadelphia. Yeah. And some of the early clubs that, you know, when we were like teenagers, uh, you know, when we went to New York, we like 19, 18. And, um, yeah, Nancy was, uh, this is before she had met Sid. Because this is '74, but we had already knew her. So anyway, uh, you know, when we went to New York City, and then you know we just find ourselves, you know, because you know we're hanging out with the uh, at the 310 Club. I think us Leon was DJing there or doing something, and uh, that's uh, Hal C. Black, you know, owned that the 310 Club or something like that. It was after hours, and you know, just like you know, usually the people, the in crowd of people. Like we hang out, you know, people from bands like I don't know, Ace Freely was in there from uh, Kiss, and Todd Rundgren was in there. I remember. And, uh, oh, you, know. you just slightly broke up there. I don't know if you moved, but can you, with that New York scene, did you sort of flip between Max's Kansas City and CBGB's quite a lot? Uh, we, uh, you know, being like I said. Johnny invited us, you know, to like come stay in there at the long because we moved up here and moved into Chelsea. Okay. But the dollar had just gotten kicked off of uh, uh, Mercury Records. And that's why Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood would go over there to try and, uh, you know, refurberate, you know, trying to get them together, you know, to uh, see if they can, uh, you know, get something that keep, keep, keep it keep together, you know, and get something, maybe get signed with something else. Um, so Jerry Nolan was in rehab, so they uh, looked at us and like, you know, they liked this right off the bat, you know, I don't know, just because, I don't know, we were on time, you know, this is, this is the very beginning. I mean, it's like, this is, we're in the, we're in the Chelsea, they, they uh, invite us to stay there at their loft, bring our equipment there or so and what have you, because they wanted to, you know, Spider was to fill in on drums for Jerry Nolan, which he did, played the hippodrome, the red patent leather uh, thing here. And uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, that was a point of where, you know, uh, the only other bands that were in there and like rehearsing in there and in there and around there in the dial circle was television. And I think they were opening for them uh, for some of their, their shows that they were doing, like at the Hippodrome with the Red Patent Lovers, Daniel Malcolm McLaren, and Julian Westwood. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah. and the Demons. And uh, Walter Lohr was in the Demons. And I got, I got, my, I got the idea, the uh, notion to do Boots Are Made For Walking, you know, a cover of it, because we used to rehearse it with Johnny. You know, I play bass and Spider played drums. Because Johnny was looking to where he was going to go if the dolls fall apart, sort of a thing, you know, as he's going and doing something and doing something solo. And that's where he picked the heartbreakers from, out of that lot right there. It was like us in there like that. And, you know, Spider was already playing with them with the dolls like that. So, but he got, uh, he kept Jerry, him and Jerry stuck together. And he got Richard Hell from television. And he got uh, Walter Lohr from the Demons. And, uh, that's how I know at the very beginnings of where this is like the only other band that was around like that. I think it was like Patty Smith and television. As a matter of fact, it was first doing their, their weekly thing there at CBGB's and the Ramones was just coming about 
you know, their you know, their album wasn't out yet, but you know, these were the kind of bands that were around back there, seventy four, seventy five. Yeah. And uh you know, yeah, that's our origins, how we uh got in like that. And so like David Johansson had told me one time, you know, I was thinking, you know, uh, you know, he didn't like Max uh C B G B so much, you know, because it was you know, Max's was more of a you know, a place where, you know, you'd have Lou Reed, you'd have Andy Warhol, you'd have Iggy, you'd have uh, uh, Bo Diddley or whomever, you know, it was more of a artsy for artists and, and rock and roll sort of a thing, you know, and punk, you know, as it, as it emerged. Okay, but the CBGB's was like a, a, a biker bar, you know, it was on the Bowery and it was, uh, you know, it was... Um, it was more dingy, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, so we sort of did more of a, around like in the maxi sort of a thing, you know, we didn't, you know, we'd go to CBGB's, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, in the spirit of punk, you know, you know, we were doing a lot of, you know, crazy stuff going on, you know, Spider had pawned, uh, Elvis Stiletto's drummer, Shiva Shiva, you know, she pawned his drums for something or something. And she had a angel, John the Baptist after him or so or something, you know, so, you know, she's trying to kind of trying to stay clear from around here, you know, and to put that next Derek Bader's here, you know, and, um, you know, he's a really nice guy, you know, um, that, uh, I first met him there, you know, before, you know, he'd come to Philadelphia and then we did some shows there and, you know, uh, I'm just going on. Is there anything that you wanted to hear? Yeah, or you well, to... I, I was just kind of curious. So, how, you know, with the band, I mean, most bands have a sort of a bit of a narrative, you know, which is about three or four years, which is, um, you know, they get together and then they, they, they create a sound that they think, oh, this is quite good and it gets picked up and, you know, they get a couple of singles and an album out. So how did, how did um, Pure Hell, I mean, how did that develop and finish? I was... I was, like I said, I started out as a three-piece. Spider and uh, Chip had played before uh, as they when they were younger, even. And uh, But when we all got together, you know, we all had uh, the same sort of, like, vision, so to speak. You know, it's like, you know, we were all coming from the same place, you know. And um, I don't know, it's like, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, I was writing out of, like, uh, you know, I'm even just, like, the... Pretty Poison, you know, I don't know, it's from like a movie, but Anthony Perkins and Tuesday Weld. And then uh, I was looking at the wild one with Brando, you know, and uh, he sort of like, you know, sort of got, you know, a lot of uh, charisma out of him. And so, I don't know, it's like a lot of, uh, of quite, you know, some songs Chip and I would collaborate on, you know, as I would say, we were all on the same sort of like page, you know, we were all young, and we all had that certain sort of like energy and um, just like everybody else was doing, you know, from the Ramones and everybody else was writing. And this is why, like I said, this is like the first generation that really grew up on television and the sci-fi and then just that and the horror and whatever. So a lot of stuff was influenced by that. I don't know, like the damned and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people were influenced by a lot of stuff that they grew up on, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, um, experienced uh, and and so uh yeah our sound was uh i don't know we wanted to uh you know we do some covers of things that you know were you know i would just learning to play bass and everything you know besides taking a few lessons from a uh a uh, teacher you know a uh mr schwartz or so you know i'd listen to stuff i listen to john that and whistle i listen to john that and whistle smash your head against the wall you know, I'd listen to, uh, uh, you know, we play these things like Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett, you know, the Sid Barrett era, you know, from uh, Emily Play to uh, uh, Interstellar Overdrive to, you know, all those sorts of things. We were we were very, very, you know, um, uh, sort of out there, you know, with um, uh, musically for, I guess for our time, you know, or for, and for the expectations of what people would think, you know, because as I said, things were there and uh, it just all depends on, you know, what kind of, what, where, where your head was, you know, and what you were into and what was, what was happening there. So, but 
you know, I began to write original material as possible in my bedroom only as a teenager, you know. Uh, and I don't know, this is where songs like Wild One and I don't know if you You've just slightly cracked up there, actually. So when, you know, when did the band, I mean, you recorded a kind of an album of material, and then how did it develop and how did it kind of finish? The first, the first recording we did, we moved in there, we were in the dialogue, and so then would, uh, you know, he was saying, uh, why do you, you know, why do you want to get rid of, to get rid of that and go to a studio to record right here? Oh, actually... Oh, you've just slightly broke up there, Kenny. Um, I don't know if anything you've moved, but that's, um, I couldn't hear quite much of that. Okay. Yeah, at first, okay, like I said, we began like, writing material, like, I don't know, 73, 72, you know, I mean, in, in junior high school, you know, with me, it's like when I first got my first instrument. So it's like... Uh, uh, but, you know, we started, I took, we started writing, you know, like around uh, beginning of high school or something like that. Sort of like looking at, like, had the thing of like the, the idea of like, you know, wanting to play in a band or so or whatever, you know, besides what you were going to school for. So uh, um, with that, you know, like in the end of 74, around 74, when Spider Michael moved into my place and me and him and Chip got together, uh, we started doing, you know, I had a material that me and Chip would put together and, um, uh, you know, it sort of began there. And our first recordings and, and uh, by chance, by luck, you know, just like a couple of years ago, Kenny Rollins found our first advocate when we were there living with the dolls and in 75 we recorded it at uh, made a recordings of like three advocate records um like seven inch records and um at magna graphic studios and those were the first recordings and uh which is courageous cat and wild one and uh there was a couple more on two more discs you know but you couldn't find them because he found them somewhere on the internet uh, some sort of uh, vintage store had it in New York or something, and he bid for it and bid like four thousand bucks for it. I just put it out on his independent label, uh, just like a, a year or two ago. Yes, um, but those, yeah, and those were the first first times like you know we started recording. We wanted the experience of recording in a real studio, and especially in New York City, uh, being from Philadelphia, you know. And so those were our first recordings like that. And like I said, we had the same sort of, we had chemistry. Um, I don't know if you can say it's like, you know, we were like four Jimi Hendrixes or something like that. Uh, but, you know, we were all on the same page. We had the same sort of chemistry. And um, that's where, you know, we sort of uh, synchronized as, as, a, as a combination, you know, as a band. So... Um, and I guess, you know, we, I guess we were pretty good, you know, the dolls and everybody wouldn't have had us around, you know. Um, you know, I know that Malcolm had said something, a ball of fire or something, you know. And uh, so, you know, yeah, those were the things that like that, you know, just instead of hanging around Philadelphia, we took a step of Oh, actually, you've just broke up again, I'm afraid. That was, um, we were almost doing quite well there. But then, I mean, so when did the band finish? When was your sort of moment where you thought, no, we're not going to do this anymore? Oh, okay, well, um, all right, after, you know, after the battle flight, that initially going to New York in 18, and uh, so in the door, then we had known what people that actually are putting out things and going on tours and, and then, you know, professionally playing music, you know, we had gotten into that circle. Okay. All right. So around 77, uh, we ran and we met Curtis Knight. Okay. And, you know, Curtis had uh, did some things with Jimmy Hendrix, you know, before Jimmy Hendrix went to Europe and got big, you know, um, and, you know, Eddie, uh, Curtis Knight and Eddie Chalpin, you know, uh, you know, they sort of picked us up, you know, Curtis with managing us. 
Okay. So then uh, in the 78, uh, we, uh, beginning of 78 in February or so, whatever, recorded the first half of the album. And then around uh, September, you know, before we went on tour and everything, we had finished it up. And before we played with Sid, we had finished it up and did the second part of the recordings for what is now the Noise Addiction album, you know, with boots made for walking and no rules and everything on it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after we, uh, after, after uh, Peter Crowley uh, booked us in there, like uh, with, with Sid, when uh, Sid came here, you know, after the Crystals had broken up and everything, and he was here with Nancy and, you know, Nancy and Leon and, and Kathy and us and, uh, you know, you know, we played matches, you know, uh, with Jerry Nolan and uh, Steve Dior and uh, Barry and Walter, you know, Walter Lore. Yes. And, um, yeah. And did you, uh, I mean, so, because, I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, exciting, but it was quite a destructive time. Did you, did, did the band sort of split up quite soon or towards the, 70, at the end of the 70s? Um, and, uh, this is why I'm telling about Sid. Okay, so, so right before we were going to begin our tour, you know, which, uh, you know, Curtis had went over and did some prep work. Uh, then uh, my agent, uh, Roy Fisher, you know, who had the dolls over there, Alice Cooper and all sorts of people like that, and he even had the dolls over there. When Billy died, doll, doll died, you know, the first drummer, yeah. Billy Munzer, uh, yeah. Uh, Roy Fisher had brought them over there like that. Uh, which he uh, picked up on us and saw, you know, the, our affiliation with the Dolls and this and that and everything, too. When Curtis had put that in the uh, New Musical Express and and all that, you know, in like, um, you know, the summer of '78 uh, or something like that, sounds uh, okay. So uh, before we went to your before our tour began, which was like, you know, uh, beginning of October, something. Uh, you know, we were going back to Philly to get prepared to go on tour, and then we heard that on the radio of what happened with Sid and Nancy. We couldn't believe it, you know? So what the hell, you know? British rock star, pop punk star, you know, Nancy Sponge and his girlfriend or something. Wow. Yeah. You know, couldn't believe that, you know? So when we got on, got, when we got into London, got into England, you know, when we first got into London, then we got right on the ferry and went over to Holland. But our first shows were. Uh, in Holland, you know, like if you get Paradiso and all, with Wilco, Wilco Johnson. Yes. Oh, you're just slightly okay. split up again there. Just don't, 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 don't move from that good signal. Okay. Yeah. You know, when we first got into England after playing with Sid in September, and then the uh, tragedy went happened uh, with him and Nancy. So, uh, you know, when we get to Europe, uh, we get into England and uh, uh, we get to immediately get on a ferry after meeting Roy uh, to uh, go to Holland because our first shows were there. Okay, so we get to Holland, we're doing our shows, we do our shows there, so what have you. Now, here you got other business coming in, okay, because, you know, we're in all the uh, all the press, New Musical Express sounds, uh uh, 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 what's the other one? Melody Maker. Yes. You know, we're all in there. Yeah. We're all in there. And with, with Sid, you know, playing with him at Max's, you know, the pictures are at, at a sound check, you know, with Jerry Nolan and Sid and everything. And, and Sid was like red hot in the news because of the death of Nancy. Okay. So we're over there. So now you got a lot, you got people now coming, you know, at us and to us. And Curtis Knight, and Eddie Chalpin wanted to, or Curtis Knight wanted to have us wrapped up on his Golden Sphinx like label, uh, indie label. You understand? Yeah. So, yeah. So now, even in Holland, you know, I had to see, you know, you had CBS uh, coming in there, you know, giving out cards or and what have you. So, which we didn't do, do anything. But before, after our tours, you know, we played the exit, uh, you know, and the and the the, the Paradiso and someplace else, you know, in the Netherlands. Uh, but before coming back and leaving, I don't know, I was with the, there was someone else there too, where there was a media person, you know, and the, one of his girlfriends, you know, I had slept with. Curtis Knight had wanted her, or so or whatever. I slept with, and didn't come back until like it was time to get on the ferry the next morning, you know, to go back to to, to go to England. So he's huffing and he's puffing and like to blow the house down sort of a thing in me, 
you understand? Yeah. And yeah, and threatening to uh, uh, cancel the rest of the tour. So uh, you know, me and Spider, you know, my general, we weren't going to have that. Okay. So we decided we were going to have a talk with Roy Fisher as soon as we got uh, to the uh, shores of uh, England. So when we got to England, we told Roy about it. We're like uh, Curtis with his threats and this and that and what have you and so on and what have you. Okay. But what broke the slaughter broke the, the the camel's back was then, uh, you know, me and Michael, we weren't even staying in a, a flat. You know, we had a flat off the King's Road in Chelsea. And, um, you know, me and Spider were staying with a couple of, you know, other other girls or so or something. And the, the guys were there. You know, Rose Taylor, uh, Mixed Taylor's ex-wife and, and people like that would come to the flat and fill in out. Gary, Gary. More, you know, we know had going to his place, they come in here, but anyway. So, but Curtis had did something, tried to molest a one of the fans, you know, that was there at the flat or so or something. And uh, so, you know, we had to get a lawyer for him with that and this, that, and all this, hubla, hubla. So, that was it, you know, uh, between me, Roy, and Spider, really, you know, we said, uh, you know, we're gonna have to shake, we're gonna have to shake this and break this, you know, some kind of way, you know, because uh, that the tour was over then when the, at the time that the tour was over. Okay. So we let him go to the airport by himself, you know, and uh, we uh, just switched flats or so or something. Nobody showed up at the airport. He was just there by himself to go back. And, uh, uh, but we weren't able to, uh, uh, with our lawyer that we had there, you know, and the lawyer that we had with him, with the girl and all this and that and everything that the, one of Roy Fisher's lawyer friends, Lincoln Byron, uh, he couldn't break the contract or so or whatever. And uh, Curtis had took the masters back with him or so and what have you. So, you know, that's how the, the band sort of broke there, you know, because, and then because Roy was also, like I said, people were coming at us, you know, Roy was offering that, you know, we stay there and record, you know, another maxi single or this or that or what have you. You know, we had Tony McPhee from the Groundhogs you know, that Roy used to handle, um, the, the uh, Groundhogs um, uh, to produce it, you know, at, um, at a studio, Utopia or something like that, I think it was. And, um, and so then some of the guys, you know, couldn't, didn't have the uh, outlook to stay there. You know, we could have got a house in the countryside and, and continue to write some more material besides what Curtis had taken back because it, we did record some of what's on the Noise Edition album. You know, there's a couple of tracks that we did with Tony McPhee that we added in there with the tracks that Curtis had, which makes up the Noise Edition album that came out in 20, 2006 or five or whatever it was. But that is how the uh, band started to disperse. And the whole thing is, though, after Sid and Nancy's situation, uh, a lot of bands started to disperse. You know, I mean, the, the Dam, you know, even Lemmy played bass with the Dam for a minute. You know, uh, the Dead Boys were breaking up. Uh, you know, a lot of people started to break up. It was like over after that thing, like in 79, uh, you know, by 1980, the original scene was kind of shot, even though you had other people that was carrying it on. Some people getting signed, like Billy Idol, you know, uh, outside of Generation X, you know, and, and going on, you know, with uh, whatever. But some of the main uh, uh, elements, you know, of the initial uh, genre that you want to call punk, you know, I mean, with bands like Chelsea that you guys had over there and, uh, uh, you know, the TV Smith, you know, even though they resurface again, you know, with the Lord to the new church and this and that and everything, but it was pretty much done in the, by 1980 anyway, mm. despite, you know, what you know, our problems, you know. And did you, and, um, uh, I mean, because you went on and, and you you did more recording and, and stuff, because you worked with Lemmy, didn't you, in the mid-90s at one stage? Yeah. After, you know, after like 1980, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I said, fuck it, you know, uh, I mean, you know, we did a couple more shows, you know, when we came back, uh, you know, after our second tour, you know, and then between our first and second tours of Europe, uh, we went out to California with Stiv, Stiv Baders and Cheetah 
you know, they were only out there as the dead boys, you know, they had some other guys. This was for the guys from the Barracudas, guys from Sham 69, and, you know, right before you got together with uh, Dave Sabrina and uh, Brian James and uh, got the Lords together, you know, uh, like, you know, in the early 80s. But this was like, 78 was our first tour. Uh, you know, when we got back, you know, uh, you know, instead of staying there and uh, recording a little bit more, we got back in about February or something in March and Steve and them asked us to come out to California, out to Los Angeles. We went out there and uh, played with them, uh, you know, and kind of shutting down the mask. I don't know if you heard of the mask that was out there. It was like the CBGBs of Los Angeles. But, um, yeah. No, the only uh, place I remember was that it was one place that Lemmy used to sort of hang out all the time, which I now can't remember, but I remember it became quite famous, didn't it? Probably the rainbow. But the rainbow, that's anyway, the one, yes. That's the yeah. one. So then, and then sort of how did you, you know, because that was that was kind of a pretty peak mu- musical moment. What what sort of has kind of kept your interest and, and creative spark, you know, over the last few decades? Well, you know, in 1980, okay, we first. I got married. Uh, Roy, I came back over to England a couple of times by myself. Roy even had me with Bruce Woolley of the Camera Club, you know, and the you know the Buggles, the Camera Club, Club, the Video Kills, the Radio Star guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I came back over there and was uh, attempt to, I made an attempt to record a couple a demo of uh, in Twicking Twicking. Twickenham, you know, where he had, where he lived and had a studio, but um, but anyway, uh, you know, you know, I was married. Some of those guys had come out. They went out west, like my drummer Michael, and um, I had come down here and then went back to England again. And when I came back, then Michael called me to come out there. So I went back out to Los Angeles, uh, like you know, the end of the eighties, like you know, eighty eight or something like that. And that's when me and Michael got back together. And, uh, you know, that's when the, we started doing some things, some sessions like with the Mick Cripps from the LA Guns. And um, and um, then uh, we went into Lemmy and uh, did some things like with Lemmy and Mick and, uh, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that was, you know, and then, and then things resurfaced with the, uh, what was it? The 40th anniversary, or, or what was it in 2006 when they were saying it was the 30th something anniversary of punk? Or what yeah, was that? it would have been the 30th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, 2006 is when uh, <clears throat> uh, our whole album emerged, and there was a re- resurface, you know, re emergence of the uh, of, uh, of punk of the uh, the seventies, uh, the original people, you know, the anniversary, and um, so Kathy had uh, put the tapes up for sale, you know, and this guy in Boston, this label in Boston, bought them and put it out, and um, so you know that's where you know, you know we kind of with that going on, uh, it sort of kept it and held it together from the stuff that we had did with Remy and Mick Cripps. You know, since, you know, and it's a shame that, I mean, Spider didn't get to see it because uh, uh, he passed away in 2002. So, you know, of uh, cancer. So, um, yeah. Yes. With that research. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, I like, mean, I mean, you're, it's been quite a, I mean, so with, with your kind of musical world and career was it kind of really based around that that sort of period that happened in the 70s and and what's happened since then is just kind of kind of dealing and working with you know that that sort of period of time back then with you know that kind of punk scene yeah no it's not you know it's not the what it was like you know then or so whatever but you, you know you have you have some people that are still you know, kind of follow the thread kind of a thing, you know, and now like with what is going on today, you know, I mean, with the, you know, all of this, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not funny, I mean, but um, it's like worldwide with protests, you know, and this president that we got here is like, 
you know, I, I, you know, I don't even know how it got in there. You know, I don't know if Russia, you know, whatever they're doing or whatever, you know, but they're monkeying around here and they're monkeying around here bad. And it's like, um, I don't know. It's like, there's things that, you know, I've been looking at, you know, it's like, you know, stuff that, you know, I've even penned, like, you know, that uh, brings in people like little, little, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, you know, with the, uh, uh, the environment, climate and the environment, you know, what's happening here and stuff like that, you know, along with like all this other stuff that uh, our government, you know, our people are, that, that this thing is going on here. So, you know, yes. I don't know, you know, it's a, I wouldn't say that there's a, a lot of people have been out, you know, a lot of our peers, like you know, from the UK subs and stuff like that, you know, but since this pandemic has come out, you know, it's been shut down to come out and do one thing or another. But I had intended on like coming over and doing something like rebellion, you know. I mean, uh, I even had it booked, uh, you know, where we had, uh, I was on the same bill with 999 and uh, Public Image, you know, on the uh, final night. Yes. Uh, or so. And what would you, yeah. I mean, what would you say? I mean, because you've had quite a sort of, that was quite, a, you were quite intense in, in that period, especially, with, you know, with relationships with people like Sid and Nancy and obviously... There was probably a lot of drugs, weren't there? Um, what would you say to an 18-year-old self? You know, if you could have said something to yourself back then, what, what would you have sort of whispered in their ear? Well, I would have thought, that I would have said to myself to uh, have uh, looked uh, uh, along more. Nobody knew. I had no idea when we were doing what we were doing that, you know, it would leave any kind of trail, that, you know, that it would be any kind of thing, you know. Um, uh, even though, I mean, I mean, you're playing shows with the Dead Boys and this and that and everything, you know, you're, you're, you know, that's just what you're trying to do, what you're trying to get, and you're trying to put an album out. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're being part of a, a, a reality, like what's going on, you know. And... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened with us, really, you know, a lot of things. Like I say, me and Michael would have stayed. We would have stayed there and went on, you know, and to, to record some more stuff, you know, uh, because you can't say that, you know, we didn't have the stage because we did. Okay? You know, it's like, you know, we had, we had a headlining like tour that we were doing, you know, around around Holland, around the Netherlands and the... Uh, you know, uh, parts of uh, uh, England, you know, and, and, and some of it was cut out. You know, we, I think we were supposed to go to Belgium, uh, Germany, and uh, maybe France. I don't, I don't know, but, um, you know, I don't know. I just wish could have been a little bit more aware of, like, what was really going on and a little bit more in control of uh, 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 or, or taking a little bit more of advantage of, like, you know, some of the things that was, uh, uh, extended, you know, but you know, we didn't really grab, you know, and, and actually follow through on or, or something, you know. I mean, we're sitting there, you know, and I have Phil Lennox sitting in our flat, you know, saying, you know, well, you know, the bottom isn't there, you know, and it's like, you know, you know, he wanted to get on board, you know, and, um, yeah, you yeah. Know. I was just going to say, because, um, recently I did an interview with a photographer. And um, of Max's Kansas City. And there was a photograph of this kind of guy by the jukebox. And it looks very like you. Have you seen this picture? That's Spider. That's my drummer. Oh, Spider. Right. I was just thinking, God, he looks... Oh, so you know the picture well. Yeah, somebody sent it to me and said, I didn't know if you knew because they wanted me to. Uh, he said, uh, Tim, would you do a an interview with me because uh, um, Viva La Rock uh, wants to do something on that book, on this book, you know. Yes. And I told him no problem. Yeah. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, when I saw it, yeah, that's Spider. Yes. Nice. That's an amazing photograph. I mean, do you feel, just lastly, do you feel quite, I mean, when you look back at all the kind of casualty, because there was like a lot of heavy, hard drugs, does that sort of make you cry slightly depressed the, the kind of the casualties and the kind of damage that happened at that time 
Well, I can just say, look, when you're sitting, you know, when you're burning candle, candle at both ends, and you're sitting there, you know, you're sitting, you know, like a, a like a, a, a pigeon in, in a in a in a in a hole in a, you know, in a, in a in a box, you know, people, you know, looking at you, and it's like, you know, I can understand where people, just about everybody, any and everybody that was, uh, um. In, in the in the circle, you know, a lot of people were doing heroin, you know, uh, and it's not just that it was cliche, but it's like, you know, in order to, you know, you're up and then you're down, you're numb to everything, then you, 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 then you get it up, you know, or so, and, do, and, and, and then you want to put yourself to like, you know, all the kind of crap that's coming at you. But uh, a lot of people, just about everybody, you know, you know, just about everybody from Stiv to Johnny to, to, you know, everybody is just about gone. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, had come about, you know, like, uh, like with drugs, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't, even my drummer, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, during the nineties, not to say that I wasn't doing anything, but, you know, there's a line that, you know, I would draw to where it's just like, uh, you know, this matters more than that matters. And, uh, you know, just like when we were doing the recordings, like with Lemmy and Mick Cripps out, out west, out in California, in Santa Monica, in LA, and especially like, like with Lemmy, I think, you know, 92, you know, and the, the riots and everything was going on, you know, and, um, uh, it's like uh, we come back to Philadelphia or so on the East Coast or so. We did some sessions in uh, Long Island in New York, too. Mick Clips had come over with Solid Clouds and some Nine Inch Nails, you know, his friend, his friend uh, uh, they had a something called the yes. bleeding, bleeding retina or something. But anyway, uh, you know, we come back here and so whatever, and instead of pushing the stuff like like Lemmy was saying, where are you going? You know, it's like he was wondering why we were leaving Los Angeles, you know, but which we had to, you know, because we had a round trip, you know, trip train trip that we took there. But, you know, come back and, you know, and the people were getting a, you know, into things that were like were like well I, I would consider stupid, you know, and uh, you know, that uh, they weren't taking what they just what we just time and the money or whatever we just Spent, you know, to these recordings done like with Lemmy or so or Doe and what have you, and you're gonna come back and then you're gonna go and go to a shooting gallery somewhere or something in North Philadelphia, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, I condone, uh, you know, to where it's just like it, at a certain point, it's uh, something to alter, you know, for creativity or to and for or, or you know for sedation or something. But, you know, but when it just becomes a, a stupid recreation, you know, that you're putting first or so or something, you know, I, I find that, you know, just a waste of, uh, you know, all. And, you know, which, you know, which, like you say, when you look back, when you look back, you know, you could have been focused and you could have been focused on something a little bit more. You keep thinking of something that's like a little bit more commercial, a little bit of thing that's going to reach a little bit more people or so or whatever, you know, after you're seeing where, you know, what they're considering punk, you know, so, you know, where, where that's going, you know, you know. Yes. It's very tricky, isn't it? But look, Kenny, this has been fantastic. I think the quality is okay, but I will just check. Is that okay? And kind of just a huge thank you for your time. Are you still there? Uh, yeah. That's what been... did you say? Something. I said. I said. I said um, sorry. The quality. Sometimes the quality was a bit hit or miss. But I hope when I listen to it back, it'll be absolutely fine. And um, I was just going to say thank you for your time. Okay. Sure. No problem. Okay then. And um, yes. And I'll keep in touch and tell you. You know. And I'll probably when I do. I uploaded the app to your show or so or whatever. So I mean, it's on my phone. So yes. Let me know if it's any good. You know, you can write me here or there or whatever or call or whatever just let me oh. know if it's any and, uh, yeah i will okay uh, but that's great where are you based at the moment is this in i'm you have you did you have you seen you know what the uh masters golf tournament you know where tiger woods and everybody play yeah the the Masters golf masters golf tournament yeah 
in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Or where James Brown is from, Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Augusta. I live in the rurals outside of Augusta. Nice. Nice. Are you? Do you live on Augusta. that? Did you say you live on your estate? Yeah. Yep. It's 400 acre estate and uh, I'm here just like by myself. This is why it's so difficult for me to get to, you know, it's like I have my nephews or so. They're in the city, like in Augusta, you know, where, you know, you got uh, all the satellites and this and that and everything. I'm in the world here where my, this is with my mom's house and, you know, where my, I mean, you know, I'd be here, you know, you know, every year, every summer and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. um, it's difficult, but um, yeah, I'm on the, uh, I have to come down here. I, I did live in Jersey. I lived in, um, up uh, like between Princeton and uh, Manhattan, you know, in New Jersey. Uh, I lived there for like 20 years. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know when I just did the Stiv documentary and Sid documentary, you know, Danny Garcia would come, uh, you know, we'd hook up around here in New York City or, or, or right there where I live. But I just come down here just the beginning of this year because we weren't going to sign another lease up in Jersey. And it's a good thing that I'm here because there's nobody around me here, you know. Yes, tricky. Anyway, look, this is the quality. But thank you ever so much, and I will keep in touch. But have a great evening or day. Okay, thanks, Kenny. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. And that, dear listener, was me in conversation with Kenny Gordon from Pure Hell, the uh, punk band from the 70s, famous for their version of Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking, and much, much more. Anyway, you can find their music. I know it's on Spotify, but it is probably elsewhere. Anyway, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do at C86show. It's always good to hear from you. Keep it positive. And also all these interviews have been podcast or archived, so you can find those on iTunes, Spotify and Podbean. So do check it out. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.